welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all your sisters and brothers in spirit, no matter the darkness that surrounds us. Because the darkness has no power. But the love and light of the living God that is within all of us is the power that can illumine the entire world. And every time we choose to be sincere love in thought, word, and action, radiating the love and light of our mighty I Am Presence, the divine power contained within those higher qualities will always defeat the darkness. We must first believe in and then make use of that divine power. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light. And y'all be loved. The Zendavista, literally text and comment, is the doctrine of Zoroaster, Zarathustra, comprised in eight parts, written at different periods, but of which the earliest have been assigned to the date of BC 1200 to 1000. In its present form it was collected by Ardashir, the founder of the Sasanian dynasty, from oral tradition, at the time when he re-established the ancient religion of Persia. In this revelation the supreme being is called boundless time, Zarvana Akarana, because to him no beginning can be assigned, he is so surrounded by his own glory, and so far exalted beyond all human comprehension, that he can only be the object of silent veneration. The beginning of creation was made by means of emanations. The first emanation of the Eternal One was light, whence issued Ormuzd, Ahura Mazda, the King of Light. Ormuzd is style the firstborn of boundless time, and the Farrar of him, or pre-existing soul, type or idea in platonic phrase, had existed from all eternity within the primitive light. By means of his word, Ormuz created the pure world of which he is the preserver and the judge. Next, he created in his own image the six Amshaspans, who stand about his throne, and are his agents with the lower spirits, and with mankind, whose prayers they offer up to him, and to whom they serve for models of perfection. These Amshaspans, of whom Ormuzd is the first, thus making up the mystic number seven, are of both sexes, and the Gnostics adopted them, as we shall see further on, into their own systems, with the same distinction of sex. The next series of emanations were the Azeds, 28 in number, of whom Mithras is the chief. Like the superior order, they watch over the purity and happiness of the world, of which they are the genii and guardians. The principal names amongst them are Bohu Mano, Mazda, Asha, Vayu, Ventus, Giusurvi, Soul of the Earth, Srosha, who exactly answers, in point of duties, to the Grecian Hermes and Jewish Gabriel, for he carries the mandates of Ormuzd, and conveys up to him the souls of the righteous. The third series, the Farrars, are in number infinite. These are the thoughts or ideas conceived in the mind of Ormuzd before he proceeded to the creation of things. They are the protectors of mankind during this mortal life, and will purify their souls on the day of the resurrection. 
the creation of these chiefs, with their angelic hosts, had become necessary. Armin, the secondborn of the Eternal One, like Ormuzd, an emanation from the primal light, and equally pure, but ambitious and full of pride, had become jealous of the firstborn. On this account the Supreme Being condemned him to inhabit for 12,000 years the space that is illumined by no ray of light, the Black Empire of Darkness. This interval will suffice to decide the struggle between light and darkness, between good and evil. Armin, in order to oppose his rival, created in his turn three series of evil spirits, corresponding in number and antagonistic in office, to each one of the good, and, like them, male and female. The first series is that of the Arch-Devs, chained to each one to his respective planet, and of whom the chief is Astamogd, the two-footed serpent of lies. These devs are the authors of all evil, both physical and moral, throughout the universe. Ormuzd, after a reign of 3,000 years, then created the animal world in six periods, creating first light, a famed image of the light celestial, then water, earth, plants, beasts, and lastly, man. Ahriman had concurred in the creation of earth and water, for darkness being already inherent in these two elements, Ormuzd was unable to exclude its nature from them. Ormuzd had produced by his word a being the type and source of universal life for all creation, this being was called life, or the bull, the same word in Zen stands for both. This creature Ahriman contrived to destroy, but out of its scattered seed Ormuzd, through the agency of the Amshaspan Saphandomad, Wisdom, formed the first human pair, Meskia and Meskyan. This couple Ahriman, by a bribe of fruits and milk, succeeded in corrupting, having gained over the female first. Then, to all the good animals made by Ormuzd, he opposed, by his own creation, as many mischievous and venomous ones. The struggle still goes on, the power of darkness often is the superior, but the pure souls are assisted and defended by the good genii and will ultimately triumph. For when things shall seem at their worst, and evil all-powerful in the creation, three prophets shall appear and restore the lost light. One of these, Soziak, shall regenerate the world and restore it to its pristine excellence. Then comes the general resurrection, when the good shall immediately enter into this happy abode, the regenerated earth and Araman, together with his angels and the wicked, be purified by immersion in, in a lake of molten metal, so as to render them fitting members of the new kingdom. Thenceforth all will enjoy unchangeable happiness and, headed by Soziak, ever sing the praises of the Eternal One. The Gnostics and Their Remains by Charles William King, 1887 Volume 2, Chapter 1 Origen, Clemens Alexandrinus, Chalcidius, Methodius, and Maimonides, on the authority of the Targum of Jerusalem, the orthodox and greatest authority of the Jews, held that the first two words in the book of Genesis, be razet, mean wisdom, or the principle. And that the idea of these words meaning in the beginning, was never shared but by the profane, who were not allowed to penetrate any deeper into the esoteric sense of the sentence. Bozeber, and after him Godfrey Higgins, have demonstrated the fact. All things, says the Kabbalah, are derived from one great principle, and this principle is the unknown and invisible God. From him a substantial power immediately proceeds, which is the image of God, and the source of all subsequent emanations. This second principle sends forth, by the energy, or will and force, of emanation, other natures, which are more or less perfect, 
according to their different degrees of distance, in the scale of emanation, from the first source of existence, and which constitute different worlds, or orders of being, all united to the eternal power from which they proceed. Matter is nothing more than the most remote effect of the emanative energy of the deity. The material world receives its form from the immediate agency of powers far beneath the first source of being, Bozeberf makes St. Augustine the Manichaean, says thus, and if by Razit we understand the active principle of the creation, instead of its beginning, in such a case we will clearly perceive that Moses never meant to say that heaven and earth were the first works of God. He only said that God created heaven and earth through the principle, who is his son. It is not the time he points to, but to the immediate author of the creation. Angels, according to Augustine, were created before the firmament, and according to the esoteric interpretation, the heaven and earth were created after that, evolving from the second principle of the Logos, the creative deity. The word principle, says Bosiber, does not mean that the heaven and earth were created before anything else, for, to begin with, the angels were created before that, but that God did everything through his wisdom, which is his verbum, and which the Christian Bible named the beginning thus adopting the exoteric meaning of the word abandoned to the multitudes. The Kabbalah, the Oriental as well as the Jewish, shows that a number of emanations, the Jewish Sephiroth, issued from the first principle, the chief of which was wisdom. This wisdom is the logos of Philo and Michael, the chief of the Gnostic eons, it is the Ormos of the Persians, Minerva, goddess of wisdom, of the Greeks, who emanated from the head of Jupiter, and the second person of the Christian Trinity. The early fathers of the church had not much to exert their imagination, they found a ready-made doctrine that had existed in every theogony for thousands of years before the Christian era. Their trinity is but the trio of Sephiroth, the first three Kabbalistic lights of which Moses Nachmanides says, that they have never been seen by anyone, there is not any defect in them, nor any disunion. The first eternal number is the Father, or the Chaldean primeval, invisible, and incomprehensible chaos, out of which proceeded the intelligible one. The Egyptian Fda, or the principle of light, not the light itself, and the principle of life, though himself no life. The wisdom by which the Father created the heavens is the Son, or the Kabbalistic androgynous Adam Kodman. The Son is at once the male Ra, or light of wisdom, prudence or intelligence, Sephira, the female part of himself, while from this dual being proceeds the third emanation, the Bana or reason, the second intelligence, the Holy Ghost of the Christians. Therefore, strictly speaking, there is a tetrachtes or quaternary, consisting of the unintelligible first monad, and its triple emanation, which properly constitute our trinity. H.P. Blavatsky How then avoid perceiving at once, that had not the Christians purposely disfigured in their interpretation and translation the Mosaic Genesis to fit their own views, their religion, with its present dogmas, would have been impossible. The word Razit, once taught in its new sense of the principle and not the beginning, and the anathematized doctrine of emanations accepted, the position of the second Trinitarian personage becomes untenable. For, if the angels are the first divine emanations from the divine substance, and were in existence before the second principle, then the anthropomorphized sun is at best an emanation like themselves, and cannot be God hypostatically, any more than our visible works are ourselves. That these metaphysical subtleties never entered into the head of the honest-minded, sincere Paul is evident, as it is furthermore evident, that like all learned Jews, he was well acquainted with the doctrine of emanations and never thought of corrupting it. How can anyone imagine that Paul identified the Son with the Father, 
when he tells us that God made Jesus a little lower than the angels, Hebrews 2. 9, and a little higher than Moses. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, Hebrews 3. 3. Of whatever, or how many forgeries, interlined later in Acts, the fathers are guilty we know not, but that Paul never considered Christ more than a man full of the Spirit of God, is but too evident, in the arch was the Logos, and the Logos was adnate to the Theos. Wisdom, the first emanation of Ensof, the Protagonos, the Hypostasis, the Adam Codman of the Kabbalist, the Brahma of the Hindu, the Logos of Plato, and the beginning of St. John, is the Razit, of the Book of Genesis. If rightly interpreted it overturns, as we have remarked, the whole elaborate system of Christian theology, for it proves that behind the creative deity, there was a higher God, a planner, an architect, and that the former was but his executive agent, a simple power. They persecuted the Gnostics, murdered the philosophers, and burned the Kabbalists and the Masons, and when the day of the Great Reckoning arrives, and the light shines in darkness, what will they have to offer in the place of the departed, expired religion? What will they answer, these pretended monotheists, these worshippers and pseudo-servants of the one living God, to their Creator? How will they account for this long persecution of them who were the true followers of the Grand Megalister, the supreme great master of the Rosicrucians, the first of Masons? For he is the builder and architect of the temple of the universe, he is the Verbum Sapienti. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 Beloved ones of my heart, Tonight I trust I may bring to you the comprehending consciousness of what our love and mercy means to life, that you may understand while yet unascended, something of the ascended master's way to help life wherever you abide, to awaken the shadows, to turn Godward, and to behold the mastery which each one may become, and must someday manifest in the great cosmic activities of life's perfection everywhere. In calling into outer physical conditions these cosmic activities of the violet consuming flame and the unfed flame, the sevenfold flame of the seven mighty Elohim, all activities of the sacred fire, into the physical octave, I wish you to understand that there is an inner action of the cosmic law of love, forgiveness, and mercy that can bring to you very, very great help to yourselves individually, when you call it forth for the release of life everywhere from the human creation of the past and present. Many times, your loved ones are caught in conditions from which at the present time they do not seem to be able to extricate themselves. But I wish you to understand how the cosmic law of love and mercy, in the use of the violet consuming flame in your calls to us, can bring assistance. Many times, there are those in the outer world who are doing things that are wrong, the mass accumulation imposes very great injustice upon life. You see it acting in families, in business, in politics, in the nations and governments of the world, and also in activities that affect all mankind at the same time. It also acts through the powers of nature and forces of the elements. This is what has been done many times down through the centuries by those who were willing to give to life some tremendous service, to cut free many life streams from a certain amount of human creation, that the great law of love and mercy, forgiveness and balance, would take away from the loved one much of the accumulation, and enable that loved one to go forward and serve the light in the future. This is an activity of divine justice. It's an activity of love and mercy and balance to life. Therefore, 
We bring it to your attention tonight that you may render certain service in outer physical conditions that will not only enable the great law of balance to flow in and around you for your own personal freedom, but will flow to your loved ones and consume some of their human creation, strengthen the light by the enfolding love which you send, which enables the individual to hold the attention upon the constructive way of life long enough, to decide to turn and serve the constructive way of life, permanently. Beloved Lady Master Nada. Now you can render this service not only to unascended beings, but to those who are resting between embodiments. If they are your loved ones and have not had this knowledge of the mighty I am presence, by this your service to life streams in this world that are caught in the shadows, and by your demand for the annihilation of whatever human creation enslaves them, you can say to your beloved I am presence and the ascended host and the great cosmic law of the violet consuming flame. In thy great love, mercy, and forgiveness to life, I ask for whatever dispensation and release of the violet consuming flame is necessary to annihilate the human creation which enslaves that life stream, or many of them if you're working with groups. I ask this mercy to life, and I ask at the same time the great cosmic law of the violet consuming flame's love, mercy, and forgiveness to life to my loved ones, who as yet seem not to be serving the light. Let this go forth to the loved ones embodied. Let it go forth to the loved ones who are out of physical embodiment at this time. This renders tremendous service, beloved ones. It consumes a great deal of the hardness in people's feeling which makes them do wrong. I bring it to your attention tonight because it's very much required, very much needed in the physical world. It was this great love, mercy and forgiveness to life which the blessed Kuan Yin had become to the world down through the centuries. And that is why she said, I will not enter heaven until there are no more in the distress of the physical world. This is a tremendous service to life. There are certain groups of the ascended host who concentrate on this. The angelic host particularly have a group of those whose concentrated action is the sacred fire's purity and love, forgiveness, and mercy, to set life free from enough human creation, to let the individual awaken, and the higher mental body of that life stream strengthen the light in the outer self, to make the outer intellectual consciousness, and the emotional body, let the desire from the heart flame of the individual have its dominion, and turn the outer self to the light with the desire to give obedience, and fulfill the requirements of the cosmic law, to the freedom of the ascension. So, it is a mighty service to life, beloved ones, to release individuals from the hardness of human feelings, which but enslave them to greater and greater destruction. Beloved Lady Master Nada,